What you missed on weekend mornings with Jason Dacey. Tips for Singapore business leaders: How to moderate a panel or work with other speakers at major conferences. To talk about that, we're joined by media trainer, corporate coach, former CNBC anchor Lisa Oak. <laughs> Lisa, good to see you. And um, look. This is something very important for business leaders across Singapore because they are thrown in situations not only where they have to give a talk about a subject, but they may have to work with someone else. And you and I are former broadcasters on TV, and we know a thing or two about this. So we're going to share some tips about how to do it and also share some war stories, some fun stories (laughs) when things don't go according to plan. So as an overview, what would you say? Because you actually train people on this. I, I do. And, and so often you get asked as a, as a leader to either moderate a panel or speak on a panel. And it's frightening. You're vulnerable when you're in that situation because you're in front of so many people live. I mean, even sitting here with the microphone, it's just mm. you and I. So it's not quite as scary as but being the adrenaline's going. of a big crowd. <laughs> yeah. Of course, yeah. the adrenaline gets going. Um, and my advice is always, always do a pre-interview with your panelists mm. and try to extract stories from them Mm. that will be interesting for the audience. The other thing is ask them for a nugget of information about themselves that's not in their bio. You don't want to get up and read out their bio because it's already in the program. But if you say they think that the Hong Kong property market is going to crash in the next six months, that's an interesting piece of information that gets everyone's attention and gets them to sit up and take notice to what you're saying on the panel. Yeah, that could be something fun too. It could be something like, uh, let's say there's an international speaker coming to Singapore and we all know how much Singaporeans love their food. He could say he's fallen in love with chicken rice. Absolutely. And one guy uh, told me that they'd lived in five different countries over the past 10 years and they had five kids, one in each country. So his wife said, no more postings overseas. Oh, (laughs) really? it was funny. That's nice. That's nice. Yeah, a little tidbit, a little bit of trivia. It humanizes the person that you're working with, doesn't it? It does. And it keeps it from being dry and and it keeps it from being what you've got on the paper in front of you. So more interesting. And I guess a lot of people wonder, you know, when they are moderating a panel compared to making a speech themselves, how much should they put of their own input into the questions and what's going out there? I always think of the moderator. It's okay to inject some of your opinions and stories in there, but you have to make it about your panelists and let them shine and let them tell stories. And your role when you're a moderator, it's more like being that of a journalist. So you guide the discussion and you have to interrupt people who try to dominate the discussion right. and take over. Grandstanding sometimes. Mm, yeah, I always <laughs> say use the ATM method and uh, get in there, acknowledge what they're saying. It's a really interesting mm-hmm. point. Use a transition phrase and say, well, let's Let's see how that's translating into the sales side of the equation and then go over to your next panelist who happens to be in sales. So you do it diplomatically, but you have to get in there. You're representing the audience, so you need to get in there and do what's best for them. Got it. Yeah, that's a tricky one because you don't want to offend the person that's in the panel, do you? Because they might might want to give a certain point out there. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, everyone's coming from a good place most mm. of the time. They're just trying to get their their point across. But And sometimes they just don't have a good sense of time and they do go a little long. So it's mm. okay to get in there diplomatically <laughs> and transition it away to someone else. Yeah, pivot, right? Pivot, yeah, the good old pivot. All right, what about, um, let's say you're um, having to share the stage with someone, mm-hmm. like you're a, on a particular uh, not a not a panel, but you're two of you up up on the stage, or there's just two of you sharing views, uh, like in a kind of fireside chat. Right. Uh, well, I would say it's it's like passing a ball back and forth. If you're both up there to share your views, mm. and like co-hosting a show as well, it's like if someone throws a beach ball to you, mm. and your job is to catch it 
and throw it back in terms of the conversation. So if someone's nervous up on stage, they're going to catch it and they're going to throw it down. <laughs> if someone tries, and that's not being a team player. Right, so you have yeah, to keep yeah. the conversation flowing and, and pass it back and mm. forth. And when the person on stage with you is speaking or on camera with you is speaking, do the same thing you would do in a human face-to-face conversation and you look at them. Yes. You, you don't just stare forward mm. or look at your notes. You do what's polite <laughs> and you look at them and you show interest and you show empathy and that goes a long way mm-hmm. with the audience as yeah, well. Yeah, that's that's a very important point as uh, Lisa Oak from Oak Media, former CNBC anchor, share some tips about moderating a panel, working with other speakers for Singapore business leaders. What about eye contact? Is it important to look at the audience, look at the person you're talking to? Do you mix it up? Well, when you're when you're moderating a panel or you're speaking on mm. a panel on stage, you can mix it up. You mm. don't have to make there's you're not on TV specifically where you have to aim for 100% <laughs> eye contact because you don't want yeah. your eyes to be shifting <laughs> away. But when you're in a panel situation, it's okay to look out towards the audience and because it draws them in and engages them as mm-hmm. well. And you also have to keep an eye out as the mo- moderator for people who want to ask questions. Mm. They may have their hand up. They may be suggesting they want to ask a question. And Good. you've got to be aware how to manage the whole room. Good point. Okay, I guess another question I have for you. If you're on the panel and you're on alongside two other people, what should your mindset be as far as your input? Should you be trying to bounce off what the other people have said? You can segue if they say something that's relevant to what you are talking about. But your goal when you're sitting on a panel, the, the value of what you bring is the viewpoint from your desk and your perspective. So don't get too caught up in what the overall theme of the conference is, what the person next to you is talking about. You just stick to what you know best, and that's what you're an expert at, which is why you've been invited to speak on a panel. And tell stories about that so other people can say, ah, okay, this is relevant to what I do, and it's therefore valuable. And what do you do if something goes wrong? Because uh, we all get flustered when something goes wrong. And, oh, and, and we'll, we'll share some stories in a minute about that and from a broadcasting perspective. But what do you do if you know, drop the mic or... You oh, know, it happens. Mm. It happens all the time. Mm. And we're only human. You're, you're never going to deliver a 100% perfect performance. And if you try to do that, you're going to come across as being disingenuous. And you're probably more likely to slip up. Absolutely. So just relax and realize, just get it in your head that there's no such thing as a perfect performance. Mm. You'll probably always edit it after the fact and say, I wish I had said this or (laughs) I wish I had done that. There's no perfect performance. Just try your best to talk and connect and communicate. And and people like it better when you stumble Mm. because you're more human, you're more relatable, and you're not... uh, trying to give a cheap sales pitch. By <laughs> me- <laughs> I was going to say used car salesman, but I know a lot of lovely used car salesmen, but there's that persona out yeah. there. So um, people trust you more if you're genuine and you're real and you're honest. What about humor and joking about something that's gone wrong? Oh, I like that. What's mm. wrong with that? Nothing at all. <laughs> and it happens, as you know, as a mm, broadcaster, yeah. it happens to everyone on mm. stage. You trip, you fall. I almost fell off a stage once at a, at a conference, wow. just barely stopped myself <laughs> from doing it, didn't realize mm. the back was there. And I know someone who actually um, did tumble off a stage. Wow. Yeah. Wow. And what happened to them? Did they just get back up? or were they... Jumped right back up, <laughs> laughed, felt embarrassed, but hey, you move on. Well, we're talking to Lisa Oak. For many years, she worked for CNBC both here in Singapore and also in a native Canada. All right, time to share some stories about working with co-anchors. I mean, we've both done it. I worked at CNN, BBC, as you know, and sometimes you work with people you like, sometimes you work with people you don't like, just like when you're moderating on a stage. 
What's your take on how to handle that? I hope you like me. If oh, I'm... <laughs> I definitely like you, Lisa. That's a, that's a no-brainer. <laughs> We're old friends. <laughs> yes. We're old friends. Um, I, I think it's always very evident mm. when you have two anchors on television or on a stage and they're uncomfortable with each other. There's always a little bit of competition. Mm. When it comes to um, airtime and, and, and time speaking and things like that, and my advice is always to just don't buy into it. Just be generous. The, the best co-anchors and the people that, my opinion, the ones that survive, and I've always had really great co-anchors, and, and my feeling on that is the ones that survive in the very competitive broadcast industry, they're not the ones who are the fiercest or the most competitive. They're the ones, I feel, who are generous on air and they're willing to throw Throw it over to their co-anchor and let them shine for a bit and go back and forth. And it's that teamwork that always wins out in the end. Yeah, I think you're right. That beach ball analogy about throwing the beach ball back and forth between two people is very true. And in some ways, you can actually apply this to improv acting, where um, uh, this is something very big in Canada, of course, improv acting Mm. with Mike Myers and all those guys, Dana Carvey. You never should be negative about a suggestion. Uh, I think Mm. that's the same as being a co-host as well. So let's say someone says... Uh, you know, let's 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 go for a run outside and run and say, oh, I'm tired. You say, yeah, let's go. Let, mm. So you have to answer yes to everything. Yes. So in a way, and there you go. You said, yeah. <laughs> in a way, as a co-host, you have to like take every kind of suggestion and go up with it. Make the person next to you look good. Yeah, and, and I think sometimes as well, it's just if if someone throws the beach ball down and they say no, it's not that they're being malicious. It's that they're nervous mm. and they're new, mm. and that's a tendency when you first start speaking in public or you first go into broadcasting, but you you have to fight through that and just get in the habit of throwing it back. And and asking a question is always a great way to throw it back. Ask them a question about, hey, did you see the the Kavanaugh Mm. hearings? Or, hey, what did you do this weekend? And throw the questions back and forth. It's a great way to keep it going. And it's always good to, when you do banter and do ad lib, it's always good to make it relevant to content, right? Something you mentioned, Kavanaugh, something that's happening. I think that's always good. Absolutely. Because it always makes the viewer enjoy it more, I think. Keeps it topical. And move it forward as well. It's always nice with banter to move things forward for your listeners and your audience because then later they have more context as well. Exactly. Instead of doing the classic, only time will tell. (laughs) My goodness. (laughs) Remains to be seen. (laughs) We all know those cliches. All right, let's share a couple of stories. One story from, from me was so we talk about people who don't like each other and how they treat each other. And I, I did a show in Malaysia many years ago where uh, it was a football debate show and there were two identities who didn't like each other. One was a former player. They're both former players, but they were media figures and they really didn't like each other. Mm. And I brought them on the show to kind of – it was a kind of debate show. So it was one, one, one person against the other person. And I thought this would be explosive TV. It wasn't because they were trying to be so polite to each other mm-hmm. because they both knew mm-hmm. that they didn't like each other. Yeah. So in a way, if you've got that uh, rapport and that like the people like each other, then it's you feel a bit more freedom. You don't feel like you're going to offend them by being a bit sort of cheeky or oh, controversial. Absolutely. But because they hated each other so much, they were just too polite. It was, it was polite. Yeah. I hear you. Yeah. <laughs> you've seen that before, right? Uh, you've seen it before. And whenever people have genuine chemistry, it's always better on a panel or better on TV because people enjoy watching other people who like each other. Exactly. And they feel like part of the group. And there's a safe area. So, you know, I could tease you and you're not going to get offended. <laughs> <laughs> and, that, and you know you're comfortable with someone when you tease each other. Exactly. And you can rib them. And, yeah. yeah. But these two people didn't like each other and they were going on very safe area. It was pretty dull TV. Yeah. So your turn right. to t- share a, a war story from, um, you know, something embarrassing that happened to you in oh. TV. Well, one of my favorite aspects of media training is warning everybody about how 
every microphone is a live microphone. And you hear it again and again. It's so cliche. But so many people have been caught out. Like Donald Trump and Billy Bush so in 2005. Many, so many of mm. them, yes. And, and, and everyone, I think even up to the queen, mm. they've been caught yes. saying inappropriate things yeah. with a microphone nearby. And for me once, my story was 18 years ago, I had just finished anchoring a show on CNBC. And I went out to the newsroom to prep a hit to go into Europe's morning program, Squawk Box. So I was sitting at the newsroom camera. I was going out live for 45 minutes on CNBC World, which at the time was a tiny channel on the way upper part of the channel band. And uh, it took 45 minutes for for um, someone to get through to the control room. Back then, it's not like it was; mm. it is now. And there were people watching in the U.S. in and you were on camera just doing nothing, just. I was drinking coffee. I was <laughs> blabbing with coworkers. I think I may have told a dirty joke or two in there oh, somewhere dear. along the way. Oh, dear. And just, the, the, you know, the kind of fun mm. that you have with coworkers that you've been working with for years. Yeah. And we were having a great laugh. And I, I remember at the time there was a very heated election going on in the U.S. George W. Bush mm. was running again, yep. rerunning for president. And um, thank goodness there were no political jokes made or my career would have been toast. Yeah. But toast. But the emails were so funny, Jason, because I think it's one of the first examples <laughs> of reality TV because they were riveted. They were glued to their television sets just <laughs> waiting for me to say something inappropriate. Oh, thank goodness I didn't. Oh, dear. So they, the uh, moral of the story is always when the mics on and if you're moderating, if you're a Singapore business leader, if you're someone on TV, you're a rookie broadcaster, if you're backstage, mm. the mic could be turned on. It could be hot, couldn't it? Absolutely. And uh, one example of that is Carly Fiorina. Years before she ran against Donald Trump for mm. the Republican nomination, this time she's the former CEO of HP, she gave an interview to a CNN affiliate in Sacramento. She was running for the Senate and she made a comment while waiting to go live about her opponent's hair, how her hair was outdated. <laughs> and then she laughed. She didn't realize that she was being recorded. Oh, dear. And what did CNN do? They took the clip and they put it on the website. Mm. And she lost the election because she was labeled as being not so nice. And she was in the lead before that. Wow. It's mm -hmm. a great uh, lesson, great reminder from Lisa Oak from Oak Media, former CNBC anchor. How to moderate a panel and work with a, another speaker or a co-host, Lisa. As always, thank you so much for some wonderful insights here on Money FM. You're welcome. It was great to see you again and catch up.